This is Amateur Logic, episode 81 for August 15th, 2015. Huntsville with Peter. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM, making DX local. Welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 81. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. Well, howdy, guys. Well, hi, Peter. Fancy meeting you here. Peter, nice to meet you, finally. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, to meet you, and uh, to meet everybody down here in uh, Alabama. And to answer the question, yes, Peter has a a full body to go with from here up. I do, actually. I'm not just a box. It's not just a floating head. (laughs) How was the trip? Uh, long, 15 and a half hours from Sydney to, uh, to Dallas, and uh, uh, then an extra hour from uh, Melbourne to Sydney, and also from uh, Dallas to, uh, to Huntsville. So it's been a long trip, but definitely worthwhile. I think you'll say that for sure once you get inside here and see this ham fest. Look, I've uh, just already meeting you guys and uh, some of the other people roaming around. And also, uh, yesterday I went to the Space Museum, and that just blew my mind. It's just amazing. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So everything on from here on in is icing on the cake. So I just wondered, do you, did you bring an extra suitcase to bring all the stuff you're going to get from the ham fest? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I've got a little bit of space in the suitcase, so we might be able to buy one or two things. Okay. Yeah, we, we may have to ship stuff back to him if that's the case. I mean, he, he probably does not have room in that suitcase for that big rig he was going to buy. Ah, uh, big rig. <laughs> we need to get you on D-Star. Uh, D Star, yeah. Well, at some stage I'll get on there, but uh, um, yeah, I just uh, yeah, I, I'll probably be a bit tempted by all those new uh, shiny things in there. Yeah, I always am. <laughs> oh, it's great. And so, look, yeah, it'll be good to see all the range of commercial exhibitors. This is going to be a busy ham fest today. There's quite a line. They just keep coming in, and and it's not really getting any shorter. Yeah, the thing is, uh, look, the commercial exhibitors are nice, and and the, uh, the 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 toys are nice. But really, for me, it's about the people, and uh, meeting yourselves, and meeting uh, the other amateur radio operators, and the Ham Nation crew, and and all. It's uh, yeah, it's just a really great opportunity to, um, to to meet people and to represent my country in some small way as well. Well, look who else we brought with us. Come on, guys. We have. We have two cameramen with us here that you have uh, probably seen before. That's Wayne. I'm not sure if you, yeah, you saw uh, Vince on the show before, but some of them may not remember. So this is Wayne's brother, Vince. I'm glad you can make it with us. Oh, thank you. I'm glad I could make it too. Hey, I'm not used to being out here. I'm back there. (laughs) Yeah, we're looking forward to a big time inside. Everybody's got something on their shopping list here. So uh, why don't we go on in? Let's do it. Sounds like a plan. Let's go. 
Well, what do you think about Huntsville, Peter? Uh... One word really captures it, and that's friendly. Um, I've heard uh, about uh, southern hospitality, uh, but until you actually come here and uh, experience it, you, you don't really realise just how friendly the people are. Mm-hmm. What about uh, the size of the ham fest? Well, it's, uh, we wouldn't have anything this size uh, in Australia. Uh, the largest we would have is uh, where we use a, a race course. That's, of course, wild, and you've seen that. But that would only be a fraction of the size here. This is huge, uh, and it's you know you've got plenty of commercial exhibitors, and uh, also um, the swap meet tables up the back here, uh, and lots of interesting stuff there. Yeah, it's always a good time here. This is, uh, I think, this is probably the biggest one other than Dayton that I that I'm aware of in the country. Yeah, I, Orlando is another real big one, but I've never been to it, so I don't know how it compares to this one. But yeah, this is. This is unusual. They're not usually this big in the U.S. This is one of the the, the bigger ones, like Tommy yeah. said. And, and we should pay some credit to the uh, Huntsville, I think, Amateur Radio Club that organizes it's, no, this. No, it's not really a club. It's a group that puts this on. The, mm-hmm. the actual uh, club here in Huntsville does not do the Hound Fest. Oh, okay. It's well, an independent group. Okay, well, this independent group, uh, you know, they've staged it very, very well, very professionally. Uh, great facilities and um, yeah, just all works. So, what did you see here that uh, you have to take back with you to Australia? Did you pick up anything? Well, I was given a, a nice uh, little gift from uh, MFJ, which uh, thank you very much uh, from. Um, forget, sorry, the, forget Richard. The, Richard, of course, Richard. Uh, uh, he gave, gave me a little clock, which I was very thankful for, uh, and. Uh, uh, what, I, what I actually bought, though, was um, a little quadcopter for about $35, and that's going home t- for my son. So um, yeah, I thought that was really cute. Yeah, yeah, he'll have a good time with that. Sure. Um, aside from that, uh, most of the other stuff uh, I've either seen in uh, elsewhere, but uh, I, I must admit, uh, yesterday there were some uh, old-fashioned radios in the swap meet area that really caught my attention. Uh, I love seeing those old um, valve radios. Yeah, unfortunately, they were gone when we went back over there to, to shoot a video of them. Yeah, that stuff doesn't usually last long. Yeah. Tommy got uh, some footage here of a company that's right here in the Huntsville area. Yeah, so actually they're in Tennessee. I saw they're my Tennessee. friend uh, Bill Harrison, the one that created the DHAP Mini Mega that I showed a few, uh, I guess it was last month. Okay. And I had a nice chat with him. I ran into an old friend, Bill, from Harden Power Systems. How you doing, Bill? I'm good, Tommy. I'm good. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. It uh, looks like you guys are, you had a fire a while back, right? Yep, and uh, uh, this is the first um, show for us since that event. It was just under a year ago that we lost our facility. All the inventory, all the finished goods, um, uh, and I guess about the only thing that didn't burn up that day were a lot of promises, and it's taken us about a year to uh, to build and ship everything that was destroyed, replace our components. Um, and the timing is interesting because it'll be next week that trusses and lumber and materials are being delivered. Uh, we're getting the, the concrete slab cleaned up and ready, which is kind of an emotional thing, you know, uh, sweeping that and all these bits and pieces of your life that are melted. But, uh, uh, you know, we're good. We're, uh, well, we're here. And that's a big step. Um, we've been innovating like crazy. In the meantime, um, I can tell you that it, that 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 fire caused us to refocus. I think kind of uh, 
emphasize more maybe what we're good at, the innovation, more so than trying to crank out numbers. Um, and that's what we've been doing. We've been uh, coming out with some new things and, uh, and laying the foundation, literally, for the new building. And, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of that new stuff here today. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, I think you guys were using CNC stuff before, yep. uh, but now are you primarily using, like, the 3D printers and things it's, like that? It is definitely a mix of the two technologies. Um, uh, you know, probably the easiest way to, to contrast CNC versus 3D printing, CNC is subtractive. You know, as you're cutting, you're removing material. You're producing waste. You've got a good reason to do it, but you're creating waste. Uh, the 3D printers are additive. There's very, very little waste. Um, uh, and it just really depends what you're doing. The face plates on a juice box or on a Rogue, um, all CNC cut. Because HDPE is such a gorgeous material, and it cuts well, and it works well. Um, it's very, very tough. The, the new DHAP housings... Some of the, the, the kind of odd stuff that we've come out with that are innovative, some of it military-related, like the tiny solar controller, the little USB nano uh, converter, some of this stuff, you couldn't CNC it. You could not injection mold it. And the only way that I'm aware of you could produce that stuff is by 3D printing. Um, and, uh, and, of course, that's what we're doing. We're running almost exclusively high-impact ABS. It's a good material. Um, and my background primarily is, uh, is industrial design as it relates to injection molding. So, you know, I've spent 20-odd years conforming to rules that are not forgiving. And then you get 3D printers, and all of a sudden you're like a kid in a candy store because you can break all sorts of rules. There are other downsides, but all in all, about the only downside is work envelope and time. You know, the machines that we're using, uh, I chose primarily for their reliability and their accuracy, and the trade-off is speed. Um, people might be surprised to hear, but I don't mind people knowing. One of our DHAPs uh, is uh, just shy of six hours total print time for the top, bottom, and the bridge. You know, so that, that's an investment of time at that point. Um, but happily, uh, they're relatively inexpensive. They run pretty well unattended, so we'll just keep buying more printers. You know, that's how you fix the time problem. They don't take up much space, and they draw very little power. So it's all good. Yeah, it's a fascinating technology. I've actually, I want one pretty bad just yeah, for playing around with I things. And, yeah, and I, and I probably will, but I, I, I don't think I'm going to make that quite that kind of investment on it. But uh, I just want to make little parts and br- brackets and stuff like that. When, when the consumer jumps in with both feet, we get things like cell phones that will surf the net and fit in your pocket and with a battery that lasts four days. And the same thing should happen with the 3D printing. Um, I think it's, I'm hoping that it's interesting enough uh, that, that, that the, the, the kids that are in middle school and high school right now get excited about it. Because we need something to, we got to grow another crop of engineers. And, and technology like this might be one of the, the, the if not a starting point, some of the fuel that gets us there. really want to see that. All right, so you guys got some interesting stuff here. I actually showed uh, my DHAP Mini Mega yep. on the show, yep. I think it was last month. Um, but uh, I love mine. I use it all the time. That's awesome. Uh, and it's great to hear. Of course, we hear some cool stories, especially at a show with people will come caravanning, and they'll have one DHAP in the middle car, and everybody in the little caravan is, is using the DHAP. Um, and, and we're very happy with this. This uh 
I, I would certainly say that it is a, a direct result of the 3D printers. That's the only reason that makes something this size possible. Um, but this device, and I say this, there's actually two. There's a version for the DVAP and then a version for the DV Mega. Um, or, uh, yeah, the, 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 the Mini Mega. But uh, basically, if the customer supplies a Pi, the batteries, and their DVAP or DV Mega, and, and I think you commented on it, how surprising it is how well everything fits. And, and I mean, it just drops in and very precise. Um, and, and, and probably, and I, I seem like I'm saying this all the time lately, it's a quarter the size and a quarter the weight of our original DHAP. And people used to talk about how small that thing was and how great it was and how compact it was. Um, I guess it's just an example of, uh, of, of progress. You know, we've learned a lot. Um, we've got some better technology. Um, and I'm not knocking the CNC machines. We use them. We love them. We'll continue to do so. It's just a different process. Um, but, yeah, so the, the DHAP, uh, it probably isn't as innovative as our original one was because it was the idea that was cool. And it wasn't even our idea, right? I mean, there were people all around the, the world in their garage duct-taping stuff together. You know, we just, we just made it kind of cool. Um, I, I did one on the show a long time ago. Okay, well, similar. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, so the, the new DHAP is basically a, a, a better execution of the same idea. Um, and frankly, to the end user, it's cheaper. You know, the, uh, what we supply for the Mini Mega, for example, is $99. You know, you still need to get the Pi. You need to get your, your board, the DV Mega um, batteries and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, this has been uh, good for us, and I, I expect to continue to be. Yeah, and you guys supplied the image with the original one, but you're not doing that anymore, right? We're, we're not, um, and, and I think that we probably will. But, uh, you know, some lessons, if they hurt enough, you don't forget them. And, and it is really important that that image uh, work in a lot of different situations for a lot of different guys and be as simple as possible. And we are working on it now. What, what, I'm, what I want to see is an interface that's very, very straightforward. I, I want, I'm hoping that the person powers the machine up and it's basically choose, you know, enter your call sign, enter a frequency. But beyond that, pretty much select choices and then go. Um, and we're close. Uh, there's a, a friend of mine that's a bit of an Elmer that's working on that right now. So we hope to offer it. Oh, cool. Okay. I didn't realize you guys were going to do that because I could actually see maybe not doing that along with the hardware because you kind of open yourself up to a lot of technical support type. And, and, we, and we had that issue before. Um, now, that said, I, I believe that there are some sales that we would make that we wouldn't otherwise because we would offer that. Um, what I would say uh, is Maryland D-Star is a phenomenal resource. They've got a nice uh, uh, free image. You know, if a person downloads something like Maryland, uh, Maryland D-Star, they get a disk imager like Win32 disk imager, and if they spend a half hour or an hour carefully reading and, and poking around, they'll image their own disk just fine. Um, and that, of course, is that's what I would like to see. But <laughs> we also got to make money, so we have to sell stuff. And uh, it would help, I'm sure, to have the image available. Right. So you guys got other things besides just the ham radio products, right? Um, like, let's, let's step back and make sure we're this is, see. Uh, this is actually, uh, you know, it's funny. This is the sort of thing that, that for, for probably a lot of people, they either don't know what it is or really don't care. But if somebody is using, uh, and this is a very common AGM battery, it's commonly called an RBC2, um, if someone's using a battery like this, they immediately know what our backpack is. And most of them, they may not buy it, but they want it right away. Um, so, you know, this is basically just two PowerPoints. One of them's fused, one of them's not. 
Uh, it's got a blade fuse in it. You can put in whatever fuse you want if you don't like the one it comes with. Um, an on-off switch for the voltmeter. Um, it just straps onto the battery. The tabs are real secure. Um, this is the sort of thing where you know you can buy a $20 battery, strap the backpack on it, and talk about a poor man's juice box almost. At least it's secure, and you're not going to short anything out. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be safe, so you don't have to worry about anything... You, you per- intentionally have to stick something down Absolutely. in there to short it. Yep, and and we're and I almost brought it, but I think we're probably uh, probably two days away from the uh, from 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 finishing the R and D. But we're coming out with a companion bat pack that uh, that will integrate a fifty watt solar controller. It's not a replacement to that; it's it's an addition to it. Um, but with the bat pack, you can parallel batteries, so a person can buy two batteries, parallel them together with two bat packs. With this new version of the of the bat pack, you could also uh, uh, obviously charge both through a solar panel. Um, so very useful, especially for for operations in the field. Like, I, I think I, remember, I saw recently a picture of you in a pool with our DHAP, and the claim was it was photoshopped. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was photoshopped, but who knows? It could it could happen one day. Never know. We'll make a waterproof one. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time to talk Absolutely. to me, and, and I'm glad you guys are back. Uh, so are we. Um, and uh, I guess I would just say that we wouldn't have done it without, uh, obviously, our customers. But I'll tell you that I, I work with some fabulous people. And, uh, uh, well, I don't know how to say it without getting... Our people stuck, stood by us. And it's been awesome. And, uh, and it's going to come back around. We're going to be okay. So, yeah, next week we're breaking ground. This time next year, hopefully, we'll be talking about the expansion. Phase 2 is already being planned. We'll see what happens. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Very good. Talk to you later, Home. You got it. Great to meet both of you guys. And I've seen you on TV before on uh, Abitologic and uh, elsewhere, Ham Nation. Did he he bring any Vegemite? from, From down under. 15 and a half hour flight, Sydney to uh, to Dallas, so long wow. flight. I think it got confiscated at the border, Don. Good. That's, Good. Exactly. Yeah. that's what For it me, means. It was only a couple hours from Nebraska. Oh, right. so, so how have you been, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm back. This, this ham fest feels like home. Last year would have been the 20th consecutive, and I didn't get to make the trip because we didn't do a Young Ham of the Year award, but uh, I'm just so happy to be back in Huntsville. I love it. I love it. As good as Dayton is, I think I like this one better because yeah. it's all indoors. It's all air-conditioned. You know, you don't have the, the crush of, of humanity. It's still a big hand fest. We don't have the crush of humanity. If you want to get up and talk to a Bob Heil or, or somebody else, you actually have a good chance to do it. And this is a great hand fest. Yeah, it really is. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, we got Peter in tow this year. I was happy to see him down. That's well up, I guess. He came up. Yeah. yeah, he came to the up above. Up under. Yeah, to the up above, exactly. That's perfect. Yeah, very nice. And he's, he's, he's Natalie attired as well. I like that. He is, yeah. That's one of the official uh, lab coats of Hamvention this year. That's awesome. I like that. Very good. Very good. Joe, this holds a special place in your heart, doesn't it? Oh, yes. I've won a few prizes over the years. This is one of my favorite ham fests. And what's your secret to success? My secret to success is just being lucky me. But but buying a lot of tickets too, huh? Well, I you know they offer as you can see the sign on the wall here, uh, it's two tickets for a dollar, but a hundred buys two hundred and fifty. So that's what I do, and then I cross my fingers and hope hope I get drawn. They've got a lot bigger barrel this year. Yeah, actually, the barrel two years ago was broken, 
Uh, it broke during the final prize drawings, and it got thrown away instead of fixed. And then last year they used a trash can, and now this year they have a big barrel. It's filling up pretty quick, too. Well, it looks like it. Uh, pretty soon we'll have to put mine in. Well, hopefully yours is down in there somewhere. Here's a guy here wearing the colors. It's good to, you're the first official uh, uh, wearer of the colors here. So. Yeah, we met you out at uh, Lebanon. Lebanon, that's right. Yeah. KC9BUL. Yep. Yeah, I met you up in the hall up, upstairs, I yeah. think. This is my wife. She's also a ham now. Oh, congratulations. So, uh, we drove down here from Illinois. Wow. Good drive? Yeah, kind of rough. You know, traffic was uh, kind of insane, but anyway. All right, well, good to see you. Yeah. Have a good ham fest. Oh, we will. In October 2015, Amateur Logic celebrates our 10th anniversary. To observe this event, ICOM and MFJ have joined us for a great HF station contest. We'll be giving away an ICOM IC7410 HF transceiver along with MFJ coax, power supply, and antenna. Visit amateurlogic.tv contest for details. Who did you meet here? Did you see any anybody at all? Did well, anybody the, recognize you? Or? Uh, uh, <laughs> did anybody recognize me? I spent <laughs> half my time uh, actually just talking with people and uh, very, very friendly come up and say, oh, we watch uh, Amelogic and uh, we enjoy the show very, very much. Uh, and I've met, also met some of the people that I've seen on Ham Nation or know from other interviews that you've done. I'm thinking of Don Wilbanks, uh, Mr. Martin Chu. Uh, let's see, who else? Um, yeah, the, the names, unfortunately, uh, just escape me at the moment, and apologies to those who I've met. Your friend Frank, I think, as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, everybody's just been, as I say, really friendly, and um, it's, it's, it's really nice just to be able to be here in person. And, uh, and most of all, to, uh, uh, to yeah. meet you two guys yeah. uh, after all these years. And, of course, this is, uh, well, your 10th year, my 8th year, and uh, you know that's that's really the reason I'm here because I had so many people actually asking me to come either to Huntsville or to Dayton, and um, you know I was planning a trip to Europe anyway, and I thought well it wouldn't cost that much extra to go via the U.S. and it's the timing and everything was just right. Yeah, well we're glad you did. We had talked about trying to get down there to to where your place is, but or to Australia. But when you said you were coming up here, that, that worked out pretty well. So next. In 10 more years, we'll have to come down there and visit you. Well, hopefully a little sooner than that. But uh, <laughs> I've got to say, um, I've seen the contrast, for better or for worse, of a number of things here in the U.S., right? Um, and uh, I, I think it would be very interesting for you guys to come down and see just how, how things are down uh, just uh, the way uh, I live every day. Mm. And um, it's, it is actually pretty different, uh, but... Uh, uh, people probably not as friendly because I'm in a big city. Uh, if you get out into the country in Australia, uh, then people tend to be uh, much more relaxed and they open up quite a bit. So you would fix us some shrimp on the barbie, eh? Uh, we could, well, I could arrange a, uh, a barbecue, but it's not. I'm not actually a, a sort of barbecue person, if that makes makes uh, sense. 
But um, for me, uh, my idea of a, uh, a good outing would be I'd take you to one of the nicer restaurants in, um, in Melbourne. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some really uh, very pleasant buffets that uh, one can go to. Well, well Tommy, we, we had never met Peter before this other than just over the Internet. So what do you think? He's pretty much like what I thought he was like. Yeah, he's exactly like, uh, he's pretty much like the rest of us. What you see on the show here is exactly what you get, and, and yeah. Peter's no exception. So, But it is a pleasure to meet you in person. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So thank you. Um, look, there's uh, one thing that occurred to me um, as I was talking with various people uh, today was that um, a lot of good things come out of when like-minded people meet up Okay, and Huntsville really works in that way because you get people coming from all different states and sometimes even overseas. And um, you never know what that's going to lead to. Those relationships can often spawn new inventions or uh, commercial products and things. So, you know, uh, I'm sure something very positive comes out of Huntsville every year uh, in terms of the relationships that are actually built. Yeah, yeah, it's a great place to come meet people and... uh Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we meet new people here every time we come. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of new people, you know, the ham population is, uh, well, let's just say a lot of us have a little gray hair now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some young people in the hobby, and they're really trying to encourage that here at Huntsville. They have a great youth forum that a lot of clubs would do well to, to try to emulate this at their ham fest. And let's, let's take a look at that. I'm in the youth lounge here at the Huntsville Ham Fest, and we're going to check out what's going on in here. I'm talking with Ryan, who's 3D printing something right now. Hi, Ryan. Hello. Tell me what you're making here. I'm making these uh, robot whistles. I found them from the Internet, for my, and I'm printing them for my uh, robotics team, the Browncoats. So these are, are connectors? Uh, they're there are two separate whistles that I'm both that are being printed at the same time. This is your printer. Yes. What what model is this? What type? Uh, this is a Printerbot make makers kit. It a uh, model I believe fourteen oh five. I believe that's the model number. It looks pretty neat. I I have not played with three D printer myself. I've seen a lot of stuff printed with it. Um, what what does a printer like this cost? I believe it costs uh, three hundred or four hundred dollars. And how about a spool of the filament? How much is that? Uh, this spool costs like thirty bucks for one kilogram. And that will last you a, a fairly long time. Yes, it has so far. Well, I appreciate you talking with us about it here. It's uh, th- these are things you made too. These are spores I made for my uh, team's robot. All right, we'll go over here and look at the robots now and, and see what's going on there. Thanks, Ryan. You're welcome. Here's John, KJ4AYA. He's going to tell us a little bit about the uh, robotics competition that's going on here. Sure. Um, this, uh, we're part of FIRST, which is a robotics organization and a robotics league. That runs competitions called First Tech Challenge. And our robot this year is designed to pick up balls and putting them in uh, tubes. And the way it's scored is 
uh, points per centimeter, the 90-centimeter tube, the 60-centimeter tube, and the 30-centimeter tube. 90s, three points per centimeter, 60s, two points, and 30s, one point. Our robot is kind of robustly built because we don't have very many uh, resources to build with because we're a community team uh, from Madison. We're full of homeschoolers. And we had a pretty tough time fundraising a few years ago and until this year. So this robot, I can show you how it's built. Um, our main component is cascading drawer slides, which is powered by a little 3D printed spool that spins 80 pound test fishing line, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Then these are like drawer sliders here that... Yep, the standard full extension drawer slides. And I assume this picks the ball up? Yeah. These are tech treads that pick up the ball. It runs along, say, shelf lining material that mm -hmm. helps the ball roll along. And the zip ties just whisk it into the little hopper that raises up. And the servo dumps it out into the tube. Like that. And you just have to fill up these tubes over here. Exactly. There's a lot of competitions around the state. Uh, there's qualifiers that communities host, and then there's a state competition. Alabama doesn't have one, so we have to go to Georgia. And then there's after that, there's Super Regional, which is held in San Antonio for 72 teams that make it. And then after that, there's the world competition where there's, I think, 126 teams wow. from the U.S. at least. And then there's 25 or so teams that are from other countries. So how do you plan on placing this year? Um, well, last year we made it to the Super Regional, and it was a learning experience for us. So we didn't do really that well. But um, we hope to make it to world this year. That's our goal. Wow, that'd be great. Well... It's a very creative-looking design here. You've taken what you can find and basically cobbled it into a robot, huh? Pretty much. Yeah, just simple materials. If you, uh, if you look here, we've even used, like, drinking straws and zip ties to help reduce friction there. Wow. That, that is sharp. Well, I appreciate you talking with us, John. It, it's really interesting. Thanks for having me. A lot of this stuff we've been doing, other ham are are copying now. So we gotta, we had to up, as the kids would say, we had to up level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's been a hit. The the little robot, the kids have been. Oh, that, now the big robot's working. There he's getting some footage of it. Good. But their goal was to build a robot that could pick up the little balls and the big balls off the ground and get them into one of those three tubes that are standing vertical. And to trying to drop a wiffle ball into a vertical tube is tough. So what are they using there? Are they using a pick or an Arduino or, or what? What they have on there now is an NXT. It's the Lego brick computer. And that's what they've used for years. The first organization has said for years we want to develop kids that have marketable skills. So, three years ago, they used to tell us you can only use the parts that are in the kit we sell you. Three years ago, they said, or anything you can 3D print. 
and they put their money where their mouth is, they gave away a thousand 3D printers. Wow. So now, to continue pushing that bar, the first organization has said, we're not going to use the Lego computers anymore. We're going to start using um, Android phones. So there's going to be an Android phone in the robot and an Android phone in the control station, and they'll talk to each other via Wi-Fi. And so the kids will have to learn how to write Android apps. It'll all be written in Java. Again, marketable skills. And some kind of interface to the Android so that they can control things. Androids have USB, and so you just network off the USB. You've got to be careful because it's fragile. Here's Monty Bateman now. He's going to talk a little bit about the soldering workshop going on here. But first, Monty, what, what is your position here with the Hamfest, and what all do you do? Well, I uh, help run the youth lounge, and I also maintain the website. So it's my job to make sure that everything on the website is correct and up-to-date, which is a full-time job. And you were telling me you're a lightning scientist, too? That's right. I work in the lightning and thunderstorm group over at Marshall Space Flight Center. And so I do research studying lightning and thunderstorms. Wow. So I've got a question. You know, we see these websites that track lightning or display lightning strikes. How are they displaying strikes out in the Gulf? Uh, Radio waves. It propagates out over the water, and if you have enough radio receivers, you can triangulate back out over the water. Oh, so they're triangulating it. There's not really anything out there in the water that's receiving. Okay. It's, it's within 100 miles of shore usually. Okay. So, so tell me, what have the kids been building here? We have a program that we've done for many years where the kids come in and build a Morse code oscillator kit. And this is a kit that I found on the Internet some time ago. It's a wonderful kit for a low price. It uses a 9-volt battery. It has a speaker. It has a switch and a light, all contained with a code oscillator. You can't beat it. Boy, that is great. And the cool thing is it's got a little connector on it, and so if you have a wire... You can hook two of them together and send back and forth. So the kids have a ball building these. They, uh, they take about 20 minutes to build, and kids that have never soldered before can sit down and walk away with a walking code oscillator in about 20 minutes. So every year we go through 25 or 30 of these kits, and once again, we're out. <laughs> so what is this other kit you've got here? Well... Since we've been doing the code oscillator so long, a lot of these kids come in and say, I already built a code oscillator. So this is a blinky light kit, and it's got two adjustments on it for speed and frequency. So you can adjust what it does. And, again, it's just an elementary thing to get kids to learn how to solder. And it's amazing how quickly some of these kids learn how to solder. They're very good at it. They don't try to stick the solder on the tip. They learn right away to where to where to put it huh absolutely we always talk about how to put the heat in and the solder at the at at the right time so that you don't end up doing the wrong thing and usually it only takes one or two solder joints and these kids are really good at it i notice you've got a wet sponge here for them and a solder sucker so you all the all the uh every once in a while i have to do a little rework so i've got a solder sucker and 
somewhere there's solder braid. So we uh, we have lots and lots of progress. But like I said, these kids love to do this. There's always a line waiting to put these kits together. Well, that is fantastic. You know, the the soldering is something I always have loved doing as a kid. My first experiences were not so good because I was trying to use a nail uh, heating it up over a gas stove, but eventually I got a soldering iron. <laughs> well, it makes all the difference to have the right tools. It does. All right. Well, I appreciate you talking with us, Monty. It looks like the the youth lounge here is is really the, the happening place at the Huntsville Ham Fest. It's uh, it's a good place for the kids to come. We try to not just keep them busy, but teach them things about radio and electronics. And this year we've added the competition robotics team, so we're trying to set the bar for other Ham Fest youth lounges. Well, that's fantastic. Y'all y'all are doing a good job. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that youth forum is pretty neat. Uh, I, I spent a few minutes just watching the 3D printer over there. It's pretty cool stuff. But, uh, yeah. Talking about youth, I actually ran into a little guy we met in Dayton. You remember Chris? Oh, I had yeah. a nice chat with him. Yep, I met him as well. Yeah, he's, uh, very, uh, he's a credit to his parents and also his uh, younger brother. I ran into my friend Chris here. I met Chris at Dayton. How are you doing, Chris? Good. Nice to see you again, Tommy. Yeah, nice to see you too. He's an interesting guy. Tell me, how old were you when you got your license? Probably 11 or 12. I think 11. And how old are you now? Uh, I'm going to be 13 next month. Oh, awesome. So you had it for about two years. What class are you? I'm a general right now. General, that's incredible. You go working on your extra? Uh, right now, not yet, but probably well soon. I'm sure it'll be in your future. Yeah. So you got big plans here? Anything in particular? Um, well, hopefully we'll look at the flea market and uh, meet a few people here. But other than that, um, just kind of enjoy ourselves. I know we're going to the uh, Bob Hiles Forum later today. I think oh, yeah. it starts soon. So. Oh, yeah, that's always educational. Bob's an interesting guy. <laughs> yeah, so looking forward to that. Yeah, well, thanks for taking a minute to talk to me. It's good to see you. Yes, yeah, good to see you too, Tommy. And that's not the only time we saw him. We, we saw Chris and hung out with him a lot mm. over the weekend here. Yeah, he, yeah, him, his little brother, his, and his mom and dad, they were fantastic. Yeah. Really super Abs- nice people. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, let's take a break here for a minute and get a message from one of the sponsors of Amateur Logic. When it comes to ham radio, no one has more essentials and accessories for the hobby than MFJ Enterprises. In addition to their extensive line of antennas, antenna tuners, antenna analyzers, watt meters, power supplies, and so much more, MFJ has the items you need to accessorize your base station or mobile. A large selection of 12 and 24-hour clocks help keep you on time around the globe. Nothing brings your mobile rig to life like a good external speaker. The MFJ-281 Cleartone speaker was carefully designed to improve intelligibility of speech while reducing undesirable noise, static, and tongue. MFJ is your source for the popular 4-pin and 6-pin power cables used on most HF radios. They're available with and without pre-installed power pole connectors, too. Keeping tabs on your mobile battery voltage is important for a number of reasons. 
MFJ cigar lighter voltmeters are perfect for a quick check of your battery before it's too light. Need parts for your next wire antenna project? MFJ's got you covered with a variety of quality insulators, like the ceramic egg insulators. Of course, they have a large assortment of low and high power balance for most applications, including this new one-to-one Yagi boom mount balance designed for HF and 6-meter antennas. MFJ is the world leader in ham radio accessories. Visit MFJEnterprises.com today. A lot of the new products are introduced every year at Dayton, but there are some new products that would be introduced here, and you ran across one, didn't you, Tommy? Yeah, I ran across an interesting new little tuner over there. Let's take a look at that. We're kind of wandering around here and checking out some more of the vendors at the Ham Fest, and uh, I've got Jim here. What's your call sign? KA2MBE. Okay, where are you from? Ocala, Florida. Okay, Ocala, Florida. You're not too far from home. No, no. Just shop, short hot strip in the gun. So uh, my buddy here was telling me about your antenna tuner you made. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Sure. This device is designed to work with uh, screwdriver antennas. We have an antenna set up in the corner here It's for the demonstration. And what it does is it uses memories to uh, store various frequencies for... Um, HF communication anywhere from 1 to 60 megahertz. It uses memory windows, and the windows are broken up based on the bandwidth. For example, between 1 and 4 megahertz, it uses 2 kilohertz windows. From that point up, it, the windows get wider because the antenna's bandwidth gets wider, so this, the need to store smaller windows isn't as important as on the lower frequencies as this is in the higher frequencies. Um, what the device does is it has about 3,000 memories, roughly, to choose from. Um, it's somewhat universal, meaning it'll work on multiple radios, and what changes on the unit is the interface. Yeah, the one for the ICOM, uh, Ke- uh, Yesu, and Kenwood. And basically this connects between the rig and the unit, and the unit is basically just needing uh, some switched power to turn on the micro and a key line, and that's how it activates. For example, on the Kenwood, uh, it uses the TX Tune command to send the information to the serial port, on the Yesu, it has an ALC generator built in here as well as a, a keying pin for the uh, accessory port. And on the ICOM, it uses the uh, anything that works with an AH4 tuner will work with this interface. It'll also work on legacy radios. For example, any radio that has switch 12 volts and a key line, it'll operate with. Uh, the switch 12 volts is primarily to turn on the microprocessor. Uh, the unit has separate power, which you can parallel with the radio power when you're operating it. Uh, the unit's designed to turn off when the radio turns off as well. Um, the way it operates, basically, um, you pick a frequency that you want, and you hit a button. It keys the radio for a moment, looks at the SWR, also looks at the frequency, goes into the unit and says, where do I move to? So then it moves the antenna to that spot. And once it gets to that spot, and um, that was a good test because we had a loose cable here, so it actually deinitialized itself, which is a safety feature. So what we do is basically just reinitialize the antenna. It goes to the top and lower limits. The unit has some built-in safety features. For example, it measures um, frequency, pulse count, antenna current, as well as um, the SWR, forward and reflected SWR. So it monitors several different conditions uh, 
of the radio and the antenna system. Um, it's designed to work with uh, any antenna that has a pulse counter in it. Uh, it'll work with uh, screwdriver antennas such as Tar Heel, uh, HiQ, and uh, Scorpion. And there is a, it'll also support the Rodent, Rota antennas made in, uh, I believe, um, Australia. We have a couple of Australian customers that are currently using it on that as well. Well, it looks nice. How, how long you, has this been out? Is this fairly new? We actually introduced this at last year's Hamfest in Huntsville. So this is our one-year anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. It looks pretty nice. Uh, I'm going to be looking for a screwdriver antenna for my vehicle sometime soon. Uh, my buddies bought the Tar Heel antenna, similar to what you've got over there, and uh, they've been giving me a hard time, so I'll probably have to get one soon. I may, may give you a holler. Yeah, give us a look. Thanks for talking Thank to you. me. Oh, I'm sorry. Thing looked kind of heavy. Yeah, it's in a that. Well, as you can see, that box is really thick and shielded, so it should keep the RF out. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to keep RF out of a tuner, or you just want it to go through it? <laughs> you don't want to get it into the other stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, that is. I'm going to defer question. to Peter on that. Mm-hmm. Well, Peter, you saw something over here that kind of tickled your fancy, didn't you? Yeah, apart from the uh, antique radios, uh, I actually saw a, 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 a table with a whole lot of Morse keys. And so uh, I uh, spoke to the, uh, the person at the, the desk and uh, had a bit of a chat. I'm here with uh, Neil, K6 Sugar Mike Fox. And Neil's got a, a beautiful collection of, uh, of Morse keys. And uh, yeah, where are you from, Neil? Southern California. Oh, right. And uh, so uh, did you fly down here or did no, you? No, I drive, I drive. I'm retired Navy. I'm an old Navy chief and, and I, uh, I'm gone a month and then I'm home a month and I'm gone a month and it keeps me alive. Oh, well, that's good. Well, that, that's, that's great. Now, you've got, as I said, a beautiful collection of keys here and this is the, probably the biggest collection I've uh, ever seen. Um, one interesting thing I, I find down here is you've got these iambic keys, right? right. Now, I... Oh, paddles, right, okay. And I've never used one, or I, and I suspect there may be many viewers out there who have seen them but don't really know how to actually use one. So could you give us a few tips on how you would physically use it with your hand? Uh, you, if have you, you, you have to practice. The number one thing is uh, when, when a person first gets licensed, they use a straight key, mm-hmm. then they go to a bug, which is a semi-automatic key, and you, you push the paddle in one direction, which would be the dots, and then the dashes in the other direction, and then you would be able to use uh, the bug as a speed key. It would speed up your action. Can you point out a bug to us? Sorry, can you point out a bug to us? These are all bugs right here. These are all semi-automatic keys. Right. All different. And a lot of them are from the 30s and 40s. One I have here that was used in, in World War II, this is an army key. Wow. From World War Two. So that's what really sixty odd, seventy odd years old. So, yeah, we've we've collect them and uh, there are people that actually follow me because they collect keys. Oh. And I, I go around and I, I swap and trade, so I'm always coming out with new different stuff. Okay. So now now from from the from the semi automatic you go to the paddle because most of the newer modern transceivers nowadays have the built in key or units built into their unit. Mm-hmm. And you would take a paddle, which has the same dots and dashes associated with, with the semi-automatic keys, and you'd plug into your rig, and this would give you the opportunity to use this, and you would use your 
thumb and your first finger or your second finger, and, and you would actually practice, you know, with your transceiver at home before you got on the air because if you got on and you weren't on, you weren't sending properly you would make all kinds of errors. Yeah. So uh, let's say we've got some viewers out there who are just uh, new to the hobby. Maybe they've just gotten their their license right. Do you recommend that they actually start at the top here with these or actually start with a straight key and straight work key. straight key and work start, their way start, up? You know, start with a straight key. Become proficient with the straight key. Uh, many of the new no-coders that don't require code re uh, start out and learn three letters a day mm -hmm. with a buddy or a pal or a friend. And then, and then after a week and a half, they've got the entire alphabet. And, and then they, they progress and they practice and, and contact themselves. Down on the bottom of 40 and 80 meters, you hear a lot of the no-coders that didn't, weren't required to learn it are learning it just as a fun thing. Yes, which is how it should be. You know, and it's, and, it's, and it's exciting. So now I'll go down to the bottom and I'll work with them and try to build their speed, you know, and bring them up. Oh, good. Are there any, uh, aside from that, are there any sort of uh, operating tips or uh, any you know, Elmer-type tips you can give for people that are either learning uh, Morse code or uh, just getting into it? Uh, any things that they should... Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Uh, <clears throat> everything takes time. And once you, you learn the, the alphabet and the code and learn punctuation, like like a period, da-da-da-da-da, you know, and, and then uh, other punctuation, the numbers come very, very easy, too in terms of learning those. But if you learn them slowly and then you practice, you have the opportunity of building your speed. And then once you, you know it, you can then start copying in your head. You don't have to write everything down. So it becomes more and more. You become faster and faster and faster. And instead of taking it off in letters, you start taking them off in word groups. When I got my uh, my license, I had to learn code in those days in Australia. And uh, well, the way I did it was that we had um, some broadcasts that came out of Renmark in South Australia. Yeah. A couple of elderly gentlemen who have unfortunately passed away, and uh, they uh, they they were heard all over Australia. And like every night around 7 p.m., you could actually uh, tune in, and uh, they would start off with a s slow bit of Morse, and then they prog pr progressively get faster and faster. Right. Uh, do you have anything? Like that we do. Uh, W1AW does that on every single band, and you you <clears throat> uh, get a hold of the league, and you'll find the frequency they're transmitting on, and they start at about three to five words a minute, and then they progress up. You know, different time spans. Like every every two hours, they increase their speed. So they'd be starting slow, then they go to middle range, and then they go to high range. And if you copy uh, pretty proficiently. You can actually send your copy in, and whatever speed you are copying at, if you if you copied it correctly, they will give you a certificate to give you the words, the words per minute that you actually copied. And of course, some people unfortunately get a little bit panicky in exams. Okay, so you know, it's good to do, I think, a few practice exams before you actually well, you go into your test on your, on your computer. I mean, yeah, you can you can play with it on your computer, or you can practice the code with your computer. I mean, it's it's really simple. Well, it's certainly a lot of fun. It's been an absolute pleasure My meeting pleasure you, Neil. Okay, I love and talking to New Zealand, Australia. I have a big antenna at my house, and yep. I love talking to. Down under. Uh, it's uh, always a pleasure to talk to uh, Americans as well. Okay, thanks, uh, Neil, okay, very much. Take care. God bless. I don't think I've ever seen so many 
different keys assembled in one place before. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right, uh, George. Uh, I've never seen that many keys, but more importantly, it was great to learn a little bit about some of the sort of Elmer tips around keys, and because uh, I've, I've done a little bit of Morse myself when I got my qualification, and uh, also just to um, uh, to learn a little bit about the, the iambic keys, which I, I've never used before, so that was a, a, quite an educational experience for me. And I did not know the difference between a bug and an iambic key. Mm-hmm. Well, so you did learn something. I did learn you something. You got educated. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't learn the code, though. I mean, I'm still oh, yeah. kind of not there on that. Are you contest ready? Expand your band experience and check out ICOM for the best in HF. Once again, ICOM raises the bar with the IC7851. Radio features include a 1.2 kilohertz optimum roofing filter, new local oscillator design with improved phase noise, and several spectrum scope enhancements. The pattern of perfection continues with ICOM's IC7700. This radio features a spectrum waterfall display on an impressive 7-inch color LCD, digital voice recording to capture incoming and outgoing calls, and direct remote control operation with ICOM's RSBA1 software. For solid HF operation this season, try ICOM's IC7600. This rig offers advanced DSP technology and three IF roofing filters, dual watch on the same band, and LED backlighting on an ultra-wide 5.8-inch display. Make sure you visit ICOMAmerica slash amateur for more information on ICOM's complete line of amateur radio products. Ray, it's great to see you again here in Huntsville. Thank you, George. It's it's almost like a family reunion, isn't it? Sure is, and I understand congratulations are in order. You have a new position of senior sales manager at ICOM. Yes, sir. Not only a new position, but new duties as well, and it's going to kind of take me out of doing a lot of the ham radio stuff that I've been doing. But I'm still, at this point, in charge of the amateur radio division at ICOM. Well, let's, let's bring Will in here and introduce him. All right. As I was mentioning, George, I'm flying out tomorrow morning, and it's a Saturday-Sunday show. So in April, we hired Will Jordan, KI4VXF. And Will, his first ham fest with ICOM is at Dayton Hamvention. That's right. I was. I was with uh, with ICOM at Dayton, and I've been uh, been with the company now at a few shows, Huntsville here included. And so I'm uh, looking forward to looking forward to continuing that, traveling around to shows, setting up, and uh, meeting all of uh, all of you folks out there uh, as you uh, as you make your way to the various shows around the nation. And George, a couple of the things that he's going to be doing, other than a lot of the amateur shows, because I'm only going to be going to four, which is Dayton, Orlando, Huntsville, and Dallas. Uh, you and Tommy are going to have to get him on the Christmas album, and uh, he's also going to be doing some things for Ham Nation, as well as reviewing all the emails that come in and responding to them. Uh, right now, my new duties are in the Lamb Mobile Division as a national sales manager. So I'm leaving tomorrow to go to my first Lamb Mobile show of the year with the new title, which is APCO 2015. So Will's going to be filling in on a lot of the amateur duties and doing some training when we bring some new radios out. So it's going to be a lot of fun and watch him grow with ICOM and, and work with you guys a lot more. So be gentle. 
We promise. Tommy, you you talked to another vendor here that, uh, well, he's from our home state. Yeah, ran into some solar panels. It's kind of neat to see some of that stuff coming out of Mississippi. So I ran into a Mississippi guy here, Eric. Hey, Tommy, how you good? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, show me what, what do you got here. I see a lot of solar panels. Well, what we found is that the ham radio community has really been starving for a way to power their radio equipment in emergency situations or even in some alternative power needs. Uh, we found that we've filled that niche in such a way that we're able to offer different types of uh, solar power, which is alternative energy, which can be utilized any time of the year for taking your ham radio shack off-grid completely or for filling the niche that you might have for emergency power needs and even becoming the uh, field day hero, if, if you will. Yeah, uh, man, solar panel, solar power is a big thing for ham radio guys, as you just mentioned. Uh, I think everybody kind of needs that, especially being in the south where we're from with the hurricanes that blow up and tornadoes and then the occasional ice storm, which we don't have the infrastructure to handle something like that. So having power outages isn't uncommon in our area. Yeah, it's it's very common, and I get to come to the ham fest, and I hear many, many stories from different hams that they tell me uh, that they were out of power for several days uh, and that they look forward to having some kind of battery backup system where they were able to continue to communicate and that they come to me or they come to get the solar or some generator uh, and that they're able to continue to stay on the air and continue to communicate their situation as well as those that are around them in their community so that they are able to maintain that communication link. Uh, ham radio really started out in the 70s doing solar power, and because of the price of the solar power, the ham radio community shied away from it. Well, our goal is to tease hams back into doing solar projects where they can do various types of power uh, at different levels, all the way from uh, portability for backpacking with QRP, all the way up to your full ham stations and full shacks for 100-watt radios on typical uses. So we're here to try to fill that niche and to make sure the ham radio community knows that solar is back, it is affordable, and there are products available to take your ham shack back off the grid and to become more power conscious as well as uh, available for emergency communications and emergency situations. So I see several different types here, and as well as controllers and cables and things like that. So you've got one here that's that folds up. Is that a, like a canvas back on it? Yeah, this one has become very popular for a lot of reasons. One, that it does uh, co- fill the capacity for 12-volt needs. It's a 27-watt panel. It's 2 amps out of 12 volts, so it does have the uh, capability of running a QRP rig as well as doing a small battery uh, charging. Uh, and a lot of our people who travel overseas will take this with them to charge up their laptops, cell phones, and things like that. So they don't have to worry about uh, long trips, whether or not they have the right power adapters or right uh, interfaces to the outlets. Uh, it gives them the sense of freedom that they can travel where it is that they need, as well as very lightweight for backpacking and those who want to do QRP, something like uh, sodas or uh, de-expeditions. Yeah, that's, that's a nice size, about the size of an iPad. And then we've got one here, I guess, that folds up similar to a, like a briefcase. Uh, right. This one's called the solar suitcase. The solar suitcase is 100 watts. Uh, we sell the version that has the charge controller already attached to it. It folds up into a nice carrying handle, full briefcase, carrying case, everything all included. The only thing you need is a uh, battery. So I, I dur- I dur- I've dubbed this one our... Uh, our field day hero kit, because this one you show up at your field day with this 100-watt uh, solar panel system, and you can definitely make a few contacts with that without any problem. 
Uh, just to give the ham radio community a little idea of what kind of power 100 watts will get you, here in the Huntsville area, which is where we're at right now, you get about five typical sun hours a day. And 100 watts, you're looking at about 8 amp hours out at 100 watts, which is five hours over that. That's 40 amp hours. So the usability of that 40 amp hours on a typical 100-watt radio is a little less than two hours of key up talk time. And that's kind of important to understand how solar can work for you and how well you can make solar work for you. So if you talk less, you can listen more so you get more mileage for your uh, available solar power. Oh, that's cool. So uh, where can people find out more information or where can they buy these as well? Okay, yeah, we have an online presence. We are BeReadySolar.com. Uh, you can contact me at any time as well at our phone number, 601-447-4391. I'd be, lo- I'd be glad to talk with you uh, and get and find out what it is that you really are looking for for your alternative energy or emergency energy. And we'd love to service you and see that you uh, get what you, uh, you need. Cool. Thanks for taking time to talk Thank to you, me. Tommy. I appreciate it very much. In October 2015, Amateur Logic celebrates our 10th anniversary. To observe this event, ICOM and MFJ have joined us for a great HF station contest. We'll be giving away an ICOM IC7410 HF transceiver along with MFJ coax, power supply, and antenna. Visit amateurlogic.tv contest for details. The ham fest is winding down. There's, what, like maybe less than an hour left here. So the crowd has thinned out quite a bit. But there's still folks here in the flea market area where we're sitting. And, you know, I think if we hurry, we might can make a partial sweep around the perimeter one more time. Uh, there's still money in my pocket. I, <laughs> I can tell because there's a warm sensation in this chair. And... Uh, I think I'm going to have to do something about it before we leave the area. Yeah, now's about the time when all the the real good deals are going to be. Absolutely. It's always good, you know, because the sellers are desperate to sell. They don't want to carry something heavy home. So if you go in and make an offer, that's just a a, good time to go and get a good deal. Yep, yep, no doubt. Well, Peter, it's so so good to finally meet you. You know, we've, we've become, well, friends, coworkers, friends. Uh, acquaintances and really uh, you know you guys out there watching on, on Amateur Logic here or however you're watching it and, and a number of you have said to us here you know I feel like I know you yeah. well that's the same way with Peter and you know come to find out we did know him yeah if I sort of I, we've told this story before but um, uh, I contacted the guys uh, back when they were on a bit of a hiatus after making the first uh, 12 episodes and um, I thought you know I've, I'd made some videos at school and uh, I thought well I wouldn't mind just contributing something on a sort of one-off basis and uh, so uh, you know I uh, got in touch with George and uh, Tommy and uh, particularly George and uh, uh, yeah and we, we, we teed it up I provided a video which of course was uh, of a local ham fest in uh, in Melbourne and uh, we you know George wanted to do a bit of co-hosting so I came in via Skype and it was great and I thought well hey that was quite a, an interesting experience and then uh, then you said uh, well uh, what are you doing for the next episode and I kind of went what <laughs> so uh-huh. and so I've been here ever since and, yeah uh, so we keep saying that every every month and it keeps coming <laughs> back we we had asked on the show before for people to send us some videos for us to use 
And unfortunately for Peter, he was the first one or, or one of the few who ever took us up on that offer. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of, uh, you know, he was in then. Yeah. I mean, once we saw that he could do a video and that he would and he would send it to us, hey, yeah, yeah the, that's personality, all we the personality yeah. was a good mesh for well, us, yeah. too. So it yeah. was a really good fit all the way around. Yeah, yeah I can't think of many podcasts. I, I know one, but uh, or vidcasts, where you've actually got um, that mixture of international hosts actually co-hosting at the same time. Um, I can only think of one, and that's Dave up in Sydney, who does a audio podcast with a chap in Ohio. But uh, otherwise, um, I don't think, in terms of regular co-hosts, I don't think I've ever seen a uh, another vidcast where you've got a regular co-host coming in uh, internationally, and it's it's worked really well. Well, maybe we were the first for that too, because we were the first ham show to come out mm. on a video on the internet. Yeah, maybe the first international one. Yeah. By the way, even though Jimmy's not here, I just want to pay tribute to him because he, like yourselves, helped found Aminologic and. It's rolled on for 10 years, which is... I, I don't think you ever expected it to last that long. Did we you? didn't have any idea. I, I wasn't know. sure we would end up with a second one. Yeah, true. Oh, true. That first, it was an experiment. Uh, yeah, that first um, that first video, which you know, I've gone back and watched a few times, where you're interviewing Jimmy about his... Uh, he had like a Wi-Fi uh, kind of a um, commercial mm-hmm. setup uh, there. And um, yeah, it was a little raw, but... You know, nonetheless, you, uh, I could see that you had, you, you were uh, comfortable in front of the camera, and you could do interviewing skills. And uh, uh, you know, your your interviewing skills and and professionalism and etc. Certainly has has grown in leaps and bounds since then. Uh, and you know, that's not a criticism of where you were at, but um, you know, I, I think you could go either of you onto a professional. Uh, uh, show at any time, and uh, you would be just fine. That just kind of it sends a chill up my spine, yeah. Tommy. Like something's horribly wrong. <laughs> well, of course, you were today. We were actually on a professional setup, uh, and that was the Hamfest TV uh, uh, production. Yeah. We were invited as guests to come along, and uh, 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 was it um, the name? Uh, Mr. Wilbanks, uh, Don. Don. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Don was um, was interviewing us, and uh, uh, for the first time ever, we were actually in front of a professional camera setup uh, with an amazing um, what would you call it? Uh, the big screen with all the different functions that uh, they uh, and console and other equipment they had. It was which, pretty which, awesome. Which you're in front of every. Time you, you just, just don't realize it. You just can't see it. That's the same gear that we use. Ah, right. Yeah. So, but uh, no, they did have uh, professional cameras and booms and, but, the and also, cam and all. Also, all a professional that. director who I was watching her and um, sort of I got the just the impression that mm, you wouldn't want to interrupt her, <laughs> shall we say? But she was very professional and very mm-hmm. in charge, shall we say? Uh, but um, but look that that, uh, that Don just kept us very relaxed and uh, it was very natural to be interviewed and uh, yeah a lot of fun. Yeah, to so do. you can uh, I believe that the videos of that are going to be posted over on Hamfest.tv. Oh, Gigaparts uh, put that together and it it looked like a real good event. We couldn't stay there and watch the whole thing because we had so many people to meet here. But I understand it went over well. Yeah, thanks to those guys for inviting us on. It was a lot of fun. It was indeed. And I think that they've had some other guests like um, uh, Bob Heil. I, I did see a little snippet 
of mm. um, him being interviewed on there, and uh, I'm sure they would have grabbed uh, uh, other uh, notable guests as well. Yeah, and we hung out with Bob a little bit uh, mm. this week. You got to meet him. I got to meet him, yeah. He's a very, very friendly guy, and uh, he just makes you feel at home, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, super nice guy. Yeah. Well, guys, you know, we've been having so much fun, I hate to end it, but... You know, they're going to be closing the doors up here soon. And mm-hmm. I think if we got around just a little bit here, somebody might even give us something because they don't want to haul it home. It's <laughs> happened before. It has? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, look, as I said, it's been it's been great to come here and uh, see what Huntsville's all about in the flesh. You can't. I find that you can't really get a full appreciation of something unless you actually really come and and in the same vein by the way I got to vin- uh, visit the Huntsville Space Museum a day or two ago and until you actually go to that museum and you see the the Apollo rocket and the space shuttle you just do not appreciate the enormity of the size of uh, those vehicles so you know if you haven't visited Huntsville before uh and if you've thought about it, look, um, I say take the plunge, um, come down, uh, stay a couple of nights, see the Space Museum. You get to meet a whole lot of uh, friendly people. Chances are you'll meet George and Tommy uh, you know, in the future here as well. Um, not sure if I'll, I'll be back in the near future because uh, it's a fairly expensive exercise to come out here. <laughs> it's a long... And by the way, the flight from Sydney to... Um, uh, where is it, uh, to Dallas, is 15 and a half hours straight, which is the longest flight in the world. So, um, uh, but I got through that, which is good. Um, uh, as I said, you, a lot of you may or may not appreciated that uh, I had to overcome a fear of flying here as well as four operations. So it's been quite a journey to get to Huntsville. Sort of trial by fire. Yeah, a bit like that. But uh, And on that same vein, I just want to publicly thank my wife for... Uh, you know, letting me come and uh, look and looking after our kids while I'm over here, and also uh, all the doctors who actually pulled various stones out of me <laughs> uh, before coming here. I had a, uh, a what is it? Uh, a a gallstone in my bile duct. Uh, I had my gallbladder removed, and uh, also had uh, kidney stone removed as well. So um, that was, as I say, a bit of an ordeal. But it meant that when I came here, I had the confidence that, uh, well, hopefully nothing was going to go wrong. So, um, yeah. so, so they they helped me get here, which was really great. And also uh, my friends and my family who have been so supportive in uh, uh, in me coming over here, particularly my friends from Dutch class. And, uh, you know, uh, I go on from here, by the way, to Washington for one day. I get to go to the Smithsonian. And uh, then I proceed on to Europe. And uh, Paris, which has always been my dream destination to go to. Uh, I get to see my sister in, uh, in Ashford. And I get to see London, Brussels, and uh, also Amsterdam. And uh, as you know, I've been studying Dutch for about six years now. So I get to pr- practice my language skills. So... Well, Peter, it's been a lot of fun. Why don't we do it again next month over the Internet? I think that might be a... That sounds like a plan, George. Okay. All right. Sounds great. It's been really great to meet you in person. It's yeah. been an absolute pleasure. And also an absolute pleasure to meet, like this guy over here, um, and everybody else uh, who, as I say, has been so friendly and uh, and, and welcoming. And um, also I just want to play, uh, pay uh, credit to Embassy Suites, where we stayed, and uh, they made uh, our stay uh, exceptionally pleasant. 73. 73, everybody.
Check one two. You got one, audio two, on both one, of them. One two. Tommy's is on his own. One. One two. One. Other people that uh, uh, you know, I've seen on um, uh, other, uh, like Joe Eisner, for example. I've uh, met him where it was great. Joe Eisenberg. Uh, Joe Eisenberg. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I ran into my Chris. Uh, I ran into my friend Chris here. And uh, of course, Dean Wilbanks, uh, John Wilbanks, I should no say.